Chapter 1, Part 2 of Guides to the Study of the Christian Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Derek McLaughlin. Guide to the Study of the Christian Religion. Edited by Gerald Burney Smith. Chapter 1. Preparation in College for the Study of Theology. Part 2. Unofficial Aspects of College Life. But the chief values of the modern college often lie, unfortunately, quite outside the curriculum. They lie in the atmosphere that surrounds and pervades, in the ideals that summon and inspire the student body. They are impalpable and indescribable, yet, like the enveloping air, with its pressure of fifteen pounds to the square inch, they exert a constant control. The chief educative power of any institution comes through the constant association of the students with one another and with the faculty. The college is primarily a society of scholars, an association for mutual benefit. The daily give and take of many associated minds creates a psychological climate. The student can say, with Ulysses, I am a part of all that I have met. When he is first ushered into the new associations of the perilous freshman year, he is likely to be dazzled and distracted. What should be his attitude toward all the complex social life of the college? The dangers of social dissipation. He should seek simplicity, in mode of life, in daily program, in personal ambition. Our college life has no longer the dangers of a vacuum, as it had fifty years ago, but the dangers of a plenum. Silly pranks have largely disappeared, but dissipations of energy, distractions of thought, sideshows of every kind, have multiplied immensely. The student's room is a reception room. His time is seldom his own. He is out for positions and offices, athletic, musical, literary, and the college life allows little time for self-recollection and self-acquaintance. Here is a danger quite as real as the danger of vice and crime, a temptation against which the future religious teacher must resolutely set himself at the beginning. Paul's education was partly at the feet of Gamaliel, but its most important part was acquired when he went away into Arabia to think out the meaning of his own experience. The chief lack of the college man today is time to think. Acquaintance with Religious Leaders the student should plan for contact during college years with great religious leaders and movements. Such leaders ought to be found among the members of the faculty, and the fact that they are so seldom found there should occasion us much searching of heart. The emphasis of the last quarter century is on research rather than on personality. The division of knowledge into small sections called departments, the reaction from the old dogmatism to universal interrogation, the absorption of teachers in the making of textbooks rather than in the making of men, all these things have tended to repress and cripple religious leadership on the part of our college teachers. But the opportunity for such leadership is greater than ever before. The fact that teachers are no longer officers of discipline gives them a new advantage. The fraternal, in place of the old paternal relation, is distinctly helpful to religious conference. The college teacher may be far closer to his students than any college president ever can be. The fact that the average church sermon makes slender appeal to the average student emphasizes the need of special effort at religious guidance by the college faculty. What the students need for their religious training is not so much formal addresses as discussion under guidance. 
They need to hear a religious address with a chance to answer back, to express their own difficulties, and to grapple with some older, wiser mind in frank discussion. Many members of our faculties are able and willing to do this, but they wait for invitation from the students. The formation of voluntary classes for biblical study, for ethical and religious conference, must originate with the students themselves. Giving religion an opportunity to be seen at its best. Students may also do much to bring college life into contact with the dominating personalities of the religious world. The College Christian Association can easily secure the help of the administration in bringing into college halls present leaders in civic reform, in foreign missions, in biblical interpretation, in Christian education. A ten-minute address at morning chapel by some man from the heart of Africa, from the slums of Chicago, from the medical missions in South India, may give more inspiration than an hour's oration. At one university, recently, each of the formal Vesper services of the winter was followed by an informal conference of the preacher with the students in the evening. The announced subject of the conference was, in each case, introduced by the preacher in a five-minute address. Then the students, sitting round him in large semicircle, turned upon him a fusillade of sincere and searching questions that lasted for an hour and a half. At the end of that time they knew the preacher as no sermon could reveal him, and he knew the students as few members of the faculty know them. One conference on religious journalism gave the students an inside view of an editor's office. One on the college man's idea of the church gave them the apologia pro vita sua of a distinguished American bishop. One on opportunities in the farther east gave an interpretation of China and Japan from one who had spent his life there. Another on the college man's idea of God gave a noted Christian philosopher a chance to insert a whole system of theology into the students' minds without their knowing it. The service rendered among our colleges by Henry Churchill King, John R. Mott, Robert E. Spear, Lyman Abbott, Francis G. Peabody, and a score of other leaders is unsurpassed in lasting importance. It has meant the interpretation of the kingdom of God into the students' own vocabulary, into the terms and concepts which they hear every day in the classroom. Students and faculty should unite in bringing such men into intimate and repeated contact with the entire student body. It is strange that alumni possessing deep religious conviction so seldom return to assist in the religious development of their own colleges. Alumni of athletic prowess are constantly called back to coach the team. Alumni with musical gifts are constantly returning to advise or train the musical clubs. Why should not the alumni who have the deepest religious life constantly be called back to inspire and direct undergraduate religion? Here is an almost unoccupied field. Here is a work every prospective religious leader may do while in college. The Practical Expression of Religious Activity but conference and discussion are not enough. There must be training in altruistic and idealistic effort. Four years of mere reception, four years of self-centered culture, are a poor preparation for a life of real ministration to the world. There must be outgo as well as intake. Hence the Christian students in every college should be harnessed for some form of human uplift. Whether it is in church or social settlement, in boys' club or children's playground, in reading room or gymnasium or evening school, matters little. Somewhere and somehow the student must express his faith through action or his faith will dwindle. Classroom lectures and discussions on poor relief, on municipal reform, 
on the psychology of the crowd are made real and vital when the student attempts to help and serve some needy neighborhood. A day of prayer for colleges is trebled in value when followed by the sincere endeavor of the students to uplift the community around them. Paralyzing doubts are cleared away by action, and of many a venerable enigma the student learns to say, Solvitur ambulando. It is solved by going forward. The Religious Responsibility of College Teachers A most encouraging sign of the times is the increasing realization of college teachers and officers that they are responsible not only for departments and courses of study, but also for the temper and climate of their institution. It is vain to offer knowledge in bewildering variety unless we can also offer a contagious enthusiasm, a noble fellowship in things of the spirit, a dominating idealism, a faith that the things which are unseen are eternal. What we need, says an oriental proverb, is not only a filled vase, but a kindled hearth. The kindling of youth's imagination and desire is more than all possible furnishing of tools and technique. Those who teach and administer in college life have a constant obligation to discover and inspire the potential leaders of the spiritual life in the next generation. When the college finds within its walls these embryo prophets, it should bestow on them the priceless gifts of intellectual enthusiasm, sincere devotion to truth, familiarity with the ruling ideas of the modern world, and eagerness for the higher ranges of theological study which are to follow. Note, the Religious Education Association a few years ago appointed a committee to recommend a course of study for college students intending to study for the ministry. The report of this committee is herewith given, printed by permission from Religious Education. Pre-Theological Study in College Report of the Committee Appointed by the Religious Education Association, Shaler Matthews, Chairman. 1. Your committee at first attempted to draw up a complete curriculum for the four college years. Such a curriculum, however, was seen to be impracticable on account of the different studies, number of hours, and other conditions required by different colleges for their degrees. It seemed best to the committee, therefore, to draw up a list of courses which are especially adapted to prepare men for work in theological seminaries. 2. It has seemed advisable, further, to distinguish between two classes of courses, those which seem absolutely essential in training for practical efficiency in the ministry, list A, and those which are highly important for the development of the more technically theological efficiency of the ministry, list B. It is the recommendation of the committee that the studies in List A be pursued by all students for the ministry, and that Course B be pursued by those who wish to prepare themselves in the fullest degree for the philological and exegetical studies of the seminary curriculum. Insofar as the students' aptitude and opportunities permit, the committee would suggest that the studies in both lists be pursued. 3. As regards the amount of time to be given to each study, the committee has chosen as its unit a course running three hours a week for an entire college year. In colleges where a given study fills a different number of hours per week, the adjustment will easily be made. The committee further assumes that the total number of hours per week required in a college will not exceed 15 or 16. The committee has deemed it best to leave a certain number of units free for electives, permitting more thorough study of such courses of the suggested curriculum as particularly appeal to a student. 4. The student is advised to consider the instructor as well as the course. 
In case a course is given by an inferior instructor, the committee advises that the student substitute for it some other course in the corresponding group in the other list, or, if more advisable, even in some subject not suggested. It is the opinion of the committee that the influence of the teacher is as important as the material of a course. List A. Courses recommended for the practical efficiency of the ministry. 1. Preparation in literary expression. English composition and rhetoric. Literature, principally English. Public speaking, art of expression, vocal training, debating, etc. The student should take as much as possible of such work, even when no academic credit is given for it. 2. Languages. At least one foreign language, preferably Greek. 3. Natural science. Biology. Psychology. 4. Social sciences. History. Political economy. Study of society. Introduction to the study of sociology, dependence, etc., socialization, social science. 5. Philosophy. History of philosophy. List B. Additional courses suggested as important preparation for technical theological study from which elections can be made. 1. Languages. Latin, German, Hebrew, for those whose aptitude and desires would lead them to pursue Hebrew in seminary courses, Hellenistic Greek. 2. Natural and Physical Science, Geology, Physics or Chemistry. 3. Philosophy, Ethics, Introduction to Philosophy, Logic. End of chapter 1, part 2.